You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Ross on Y. To find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. Um, so I'd just like to have my welcome to you. It's lovely to see you. And um, we're just, as Andrew said, we're going to carry on our series, which you could say we've started or not. I'm not really sure if it's the first or second, but anyway. Um, so we said last week that we really wanted to spend time looking at Luke and through it, look at Jesus, um, to look at our saviour, to look at our friend, to look at the author of our, and finisher of our faith. And uh, we're not necessarily going to be chronological in the way we study this. Um, we really wanted to look at uh, characteristics of Jesus or things he did or was um, and sort of, so it will mean it sort of dotted around a bit, I'm afraid. Um, so why did we want to do this? Well, number one, we would have fixed our eyes on Jesus. Um, just because? Just because he's good? It's just good to look at our saviour. It's just good to look at Jesus. And the other reason is because there's so much that we can learn from him. There's so much that we need to absorb and become like him more. And Jesus said, didn't he, in the, in the Bible that, I think it's in John that we would do even greater things than he did, which is quite sort of um, mind-blowing. But we have to become more like him to see that happen. And so that's as we look at Luke um, and we look at, at Jesus, we just want to um, become more like him. We just want to become more like our Savior. Because what, what better example is there than Jesus to look at? So that's our, our heart, and, and that's what we're really going to do. So I'm mainly going to focus on um, Luke 3 and 4 today, but there is just one verse in chapter 2 I'm going to read. So chapter 2, verse 49 says, Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And then in John 3, it says, When all the people, uh, Luke 3, it says, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. While he prayed, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. And then in chapter 4 it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when he, they were ended, he was hungry. I, I find that bit really funny um, because I'd have been starving after halfway due through day one. But it says afterwards he was hungry. Anyway, that's the side. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to you, to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on, on the pinnacle of the temple, 
and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And I think those uh, that example of of Jesus and when we look at him, it it underpins and facilitated everything that came afterwards. Everything Jesus was, everything Jesus said and did. The Father spoke, "You are my beloved Son, and you are well pleased." Jesus listened and lived out his life in the truth of that. It's quite serious, but it is amazing. It's amazing. Jesus heard what the Father said and then lived from it. That's a really big example, but that's just one God is desperate for us to follow. Jesus is desperate that we hear what the Father is saying over us and we act to live our lives upon it. Jesus knew who he was and consequently he was able to live in the light of it he was able to show compassion, meet with outcasts, perform miracles, heal the sick, meet, you know, speak with authority because he knew he was loved, because he was God's son and he knew the pleasure of God over him. God's love was able to flow out of him in so many different ways. And we can see that from the very beginning, Jesus was all about the Father. So he was 12 in Luke 2. They'd been um, up to the festival and they were on their way back, and um, the the parents thought Jesus was with, was with other friends traveling home, and then they looked for him for three days. Um, this, I love the way it just states they looked for him for three days. One of our children, um, I was shopping in, in Hereford, and uh, one of my children walked out of the shop as I was paying. In those days, we needed to write a check, so it was a bit more focused, and he was gone. And, he, and we had to, I had to run out of the shop and find him. He was wandering towards McDonald's, actually. But, um, but I got him back. But for those, well, what seemed like eternity, but was a couple of minutes, my, my heart was desperate. And you think, three days. Um, it's just, but Jesus says, you know, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? At the age of 12, he was secure who his father was. He knew his position from, we maybe before, but that's the first evidence we see in Luke, that he knew who his father was from that point. From that point, definitely, Jesus spoke with confidence and conviction that God was his father. And by definition, that means he's the son. You know, Andrew is the father of our children, they are automatically his children. They're, his, they're our sons and our daughters. And it's the foundation of all that follows. He knew the Father, was in relationship with him, and was intimate with him. You are my beloved son. He knew I am well pleased. Did Jesus need to know that? Did he already know that? I don't know. But what I love about God, well, no, one of the many things I love about God, is he chooses to affirm even when we know so this morning, he's told us he loves us again, 
we, we know that he loves us. He sent Jesus. But God is so amazing as a father that he continues to tell us over and over again, he loves you, he loves you, I love you, I love you. I still, I mean, my, our children are all in their 20s. I don't finish a phone call without saying, love you. I just, I just love to tell my children I love them. And the father is a much better parent than I am. And he just loves to affirm it. So whether Jesus needs to know or not, because he was the son of God and all of those things, God still chose to affirm and tell him again that he just loved him. Just want you to know again, I love you. Uh, and, and everyone else, obviously, also, it was an affirmation towards those that were looking. So the first thing the father says was, you are my, my, mine. And that's what, you know, he's saying to the son, you are mine. And he's saying to us, you are my own. Not somebody else's. I've brought you into this relationship as a child of God. You are my child. And then he says, beloved. And I looked up beloved because I like to look at what things mean because I think I know, but I don't always. And it says, much loved person, loved very much, very dear, much adored, treasured, affectionately loved, greatly loved, cherished. So by God, Jesus was that. And actually because of Jesus, that's what God is speaking over us. Not just I love you. You are much loved. You are loved very much. You are much adored. You are treasured. You are affectionately loved, greatly loved, cherished by God. For God so loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as saviour shall not perish but have eternal life. And that was from John. For the father himself tenderly loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from the Father. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. So it is clear, and those are, I could have just spent the whole morning reading scripture that tells you that you're loved, that reminds us again and again that we're loved. So the first thing we really, really, really need to grab hold of again is that we're loved. God is saying to you, you are mine, I love you. You are beloved, you are cherished, you are held dear. You are treasured. The parent-child and child-parent relationships were always designed to be one of love. That's what the perfect example of a parent and child relationship is God and the Son, is the Father and the Son. That's what the intention is. The world we live in has screwed it up a bit sometimes uh, and um, lied and just and accused and brought shame, but actually the perfect example of parent-child, child-parent 
is one of love. And God and Jesus are a perfect example. So he wants us to know that we are his beloved. The next thing he said, you are my beloved son, child of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it doth know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. Not we will be, now we are. My child, you are my child. You are cherished. You, I don't love that one child more than that child. I love you. I love you. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right. We have the right to become children of God. Just by saying, Jesus, just take me as I am. I now have the right to be a child of God. But as many as received them, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will, but of God. So we are not only loved beyond measure, we are made children of God. God loves you, made you his daughter, his son. He calls us by name, my son, my daughter. And if that wasn't enough, Jesus then says, uh, God the Father said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And not only does he say that about Jesus, he says that about us too. Not only does he love us, not only does he call us his child, he says, actually, I really like you. I really delight in you. I'm really pleased with you. I really take pleasure. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty saviour. He will de take delight in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with songs. God loves you so much and esteemed you as a child that he wants to sing over you. Andrew um, <laughs> loves to make up songs, and he does sing about me sometimes when he walks through the door, and he sings about the kids. He'll just make up random songs. But he just, you know, it's not about you, I'm afraid. It is about those he loves. He just loves to sing. Um, and, and just, I just was reminded of that heart of love and then that singing about it. And that, you know, that's the Father. We need to hear those songs. We need to hear him. <laughs> no, they're very repetitive. <laughs> so, okay, go on. And you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. A splendid crown in the hand of the Lord. Not a dirty, um, broken person. Not a shame-filled person. Not a fearful person. Not an insecure person. He will, he will see, he will show you as a splendid crown in the hand of the Lord. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God, for the Lord delights in you and, you will, and will claim you as your bride. 
then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. So because of Jesus, we're not only loved, not only as children, he is well pleased with us. He is taking us delight in us now today. And we have to know that that was actually before the ministry began because you are my beloved son in you I am well pleased. And the next verse says, now Jesus began his ministry. So before he'd done anything, just because, just because God wanted to remind him again, you're my son, you're loved, I delight in you. I don't know, as a parent, sometimes I can just, I still can just think of my children. Sometimes I think, oh, what a mess they've made, I will admit. But sometimes my heart just fills with love. I just, I just love my children. And God loves so much better because he doesn't think, what a mess they've made, because he's removed that. He just thinks, oh, goodness. Oh, Joe. You know, he just says your name and he just thinks. And so that's God's heart that we know this. We need to know this. So Jesus knew who he was. He knew whose he was and knew who he was. And so he was secure in his identity. And then he could act and react in light of it. Jesus had had a revelation. God had declared truth, the identity of who Jesus was. And his was loved, child, and pleased with you. That's who the very basis of the identity was. But then what happened? Into the wilderness to be tempted. Straight away, Satan, or and that means accuser in Hebrew, began to question what God had declared. So you can sit here today thinking, yeah, that's great, Karis. And you, and you can really know it here, but I pretty much guarantee that the lying, the enemy is prowling around waiting to accuse you and waiting to question the truth you've heard because that's the way it works. That's why we need to be so confident of God's faithfulness and his love for us and our identity in him. It said, if you are the son of God, immediately questions his identity and his position. Um, you know, he tries to get Jesus to do something, turn the stones into bread, because to prove that somehow he was the son of God. But we already know that God had told him these things before he'd done anything. So he didn't need to prove it because it was there. It was truth. So when the enemy gets, tries to get us to do stuff to prove that we love him, we don't need to do it. He doesn't, we don't need to prove anything. We need to know we're loved. The older brother, didn't he? He worked. There's a dog wandering around. Um, <laughs> sorry, it just slightly threw me. Um, so the older brother in the story of the two sons, the prodigal son, he, he, he tried to work to earn what he'd already been given. You know, the... the um, start again reset so the older brother in the prodigal son had been given his inheritance been given everything but he still tried to earn it and still tried to prove 
his position and his status when he didn't need to because he'd already been given it. And the enemy will try to get us to do things to, in our head, justify God's love for us, to justify our status as children and actually no need. We do stuff in response to God's love, not to earn his love. We do, we do stuff in response to our identity as his children, not to earn our identity as children. I will give you the kingdoms. I will give you authority. So, you know, he's trying to get Jesus to focus on something at that point he didn't have. Um, and he tries to get us to focus on things we might not have or do have or shouldn't have and do have. And to get his value from his position or from what he had. And it's still a tactic, isn't it? The enemy will use the, through fear or insecurity or shame or um, comparison or jealousy because of the things we do or don't have. It's, it's a favorite tactic in the world today. The enemy whispering lies of, of what you need to have, what you need to have, and what you need to be. You don't need to be a worship leader for God to call you his child. You don't need to be a preacher. You don't need to be a teacher. I, I, had, I have a real hard lesson because I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm a primary school teacher. I love being a teacher. I, I still love being a teacher. And I used to take my identity from that uh, and uh, because I, I was proud of being a teacher. I worked hard, well, reasonably hard to um, get that qualification. But God had to really challenge me on, on, yes, he'd gifted me to do that. And yes, it was, what, it was always his intention for me. That's what he planned always. But actually, that wasn't who I was. That wasn't where my security came from. And my security needed to come from him. I still love teaching. It's still what I do. But actually, I hold it far less tightly than I used to. Because actually, that's not what makes me acceptable in God's sight, what I do or what I am or what I have. What makes me acceptable is Jesus. And that I'm his son, his daughter. And I'm loved. And I'm called by name. If we focus on what we have or don't have, we cannot fully focus on loving the Lord our God with all our heart. If you're focused on Jesus, that's where your gaze is. And so we need to gaze at Jesus. We need to be what Jesus is about, what God was about, what was most important to him. And most important to him was serving the Lord of God, loving the Lord your God. And that was out of a response to the love and because he loved God. We have to live under that pronouncement of love and delight and that to matter more than the position we have. He was delighted in by God and he lived in response to that delight. If we can grasp how much we're loved, whose we are and who we are, then we don't need to fear. We don't need to be insecure. We don't need to compare. Because all that matters is, I am loved, 
Am I doing, I'm serving God the way he's told me. That's it. He's delighting in you. We have to grasp what that identity means so that we can focus on serving him as we need to. Our, our society out there, that society out there needs us to be fixing our eyes on Jesus so that we can serve and that identity can overflow through us. Um, and then the third temptation again was back to questioning if you are the son of God jump from the temple and he's even quoting scripture but it's, it's misleading he's distorting what God intended through that scripture and so but Jesus isn't fooled by that is he he's not bothered about others see, how he sees him or think about him. He is secure in the identity of being the son. Nothing to prove. And we need to be out. Another reason we need to be alert and fix our eyes on Jesus is to just hear God's words. And as the enemy tries to distort or distract, we just need to say, Father, I'm just going to come and spend time with you. I'm going to sit on your lap. I'm going to hear from you. I'm just going to listen to you. It's not a new strategy accusing and questioning, is it? Right in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, we see straight away they were told something, Adam and Eve, and what was his, the enemy accusing, questioning. Did God say? Did God say? Yes, he did. And so we need to be aware to these questions, and tomorrow we need to be aware of those questions. And on Tuesday, we need to be aware of that accusations and those that enemy that is prowling around to take you from what we know to be the truth we have to know and believe and take hold of the pronouncements the declarations that God has made over me about me about him that I can rely on your promise shall stand great is your faithfulness we, we've declared so much truth today about who God is. We have to stand on that tomorrow. We have to choose. I am a child of God. So when work is not going well or someone annoys you at work, which they might not do, but happens at my place, uh, you know, or, or things like that, that we can say, actually, I'm, I'm delighted in by God. I'm loved by God. I'm his child. I'm just going to focus on that about. Because actually, if you're focusing on that, focusing on love that is kind and is gracious and is faithful, actually, it becomes really hard to get quite so annoyed with other people. It, you, you just, your heart responds to that love. And so you begin to overflow more. Jesus fixed his eyes on his father, was loved by him and loved with all his heart and loved him with all his heart and mind his father and his glory was his motivation he didn't seek his own position his own glory but was driven by giving glory and honor to the father he was just happy to be loved to be a son to be delighted in nothing to prove i just want to serve you just want to honor you just want to respond to that love you're pouring over me. 
And what we see of Jesus in the coming weeks, what we hear about him, what we hear him say, what the challenges that that will bring on how we're going to need to be changed, needs to be built on that underpinning foundation of all that God has made us and in him. Loved, child, delighted in before we do anything. God will, I believe, ask us to change, will ask us to change our opinions and what we think and, and to reveal more of himself to us and ask us to rely on our identity more. But actually, today, he's saying, I love you. I love you. Beyond measure. In fact, I delight in you. I cherish you. I call you by name. You are mine. You are my child. And we need to really search over over the coming days of, of, of meditating on that truth that God will bring greater revelation. I can tell you it, but the Holy Spirit needs to really work in your heart to cement it because he is going to ask us to, to do things he hasn't done before. He is going to ch want to change us. But it comes out of that relationship of love. And so that when he asks you to change, it's because of love and you know that. It's because he delights in you, loves you so much. He just want to, wants you to reach the full potential he sees in you. The more we grasp whose we are, who we are, the more it will overflow out of us into a world that desperately needs to know. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he rose Christ from the dead. It is by only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated him with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace because when you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no of us, none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And I'm just going to read this other bit from Ephesians. I could read the whole of Ephesians, but taking too long. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish all of this infinitely more than we might ask or think. Um, could we just sing that song again, Be High and Lifted Up? Father, we just thank you that you, your love for us your, is so great that you don't want to see us struggle in this world which questions identity and um, brings in insecurity and fear to the people that live it. Father, we thank you that you just want us to 
Stand and rest in the truth of being your loved, loved, loved child. Father, we want to be able to stand so that when the accuser comes, we can just declare, I'm delighted in by God. Father, cement these truths in us. Continue the revelation of all that you want us to be, all you want us to know of you. We want to just fix our eyes on you. Just let you finish us and perfect us.